so I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group they're rather stupid. That men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Dinosaurs eat men. Woman inherits the earth. Safety lights are for dudes. Safety lights are for dudes. <laughs> well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. Things in the air, Kristen. Yeah. Lord, please give it up for the dazzling vocal stylings of Miss Skimmer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four, no, wait, no, three, uh, wait, uh, two today, <laughs> women, talk about everything that's happening in film and Hollywood in general, the good, the bad, the ugly, the really not ugly. Um, so let's see. I am Karen Peterson. Today I'm joined by Kristen Lopez. Hello. Our co-host Lauren is not here today because she's out slutting it up somewhere in New York and having a good old time. And uh, of course we want to just share the memory of our dearly departed friend Kimberly Pierce. No, she's not dead. She's just dead to us. Um, <laughs> if you missed, I'm just kidding. We love you, Kim, and we miss you already. Uh, if you missed last last episode, Kim has decided to um, to leave Citizen Dame, the the main podcast. She'll be on from time to time as a guest, but she's off pursuing her dreams, and we're really excited for her. And at some point in the hopefully not too distant future. Hers will be a film that we're discussing on the show, so you never know what could happen. Um, anyway, this is episode 70-something. I lost count. 78. 78. Hey, look at that. It's episode 78. And uh, today we've got lots of fun and not that fun stuff to talk about. Let's start with Cannes, because Cannes Film Festival is going on right now, or the Festival du Cannes, depending on what side of the ocean you live on and or how pretentious you want to be uh so can is had is happening right now and apparently it sounds like it's going pretty well people are really enjoying it this year as compared to the last couple of years when it's been a little bit mm, a little less exciting i guess and a little bit more full of like people getting accused of sexual harassment and assault um haven't heard any of those this year so far but um but one thing we have heard is the director of, or director, is that his title? I don't know. Anyway, the guy that's running Can this year, his name is Thierry Fremo. And, um, well, let's back up. Last year, there was a pledge that was signed about gender parity. And that was actually a big deal that Agnes Varda had had really helped spearhead that, and they you know they paraded her out and like, oh look, we're gonna do better because we have this awesome female director and blah blah blah. They put her on the poster this year, and then at the opening press conference, Framo gets up there and says, oh well, when we said parody, we didn't mean fifty percent of female directors. Um, we just meant we'd have female directors. I think that's what he's really insinuating. Um, he actually said, this is the part that I love, uh, and by love I mean hate, his actual quote is, people ask Cannes to do things they don't ask other festivals to do. 
the Cannes Film Festival is asked to be impeccable and perfect. No one has asked me to have 50% of films made by women. That would show a lack of respect. Um, Kristen. Yes. <laughs> first of all, first off, there's a lot to talk about in this little sentence. Um, what have people asked Cannes to do that they haven't asked other festivals to do? Well, they, the other festivals are already doing this, so... <laughs> oh, so you mean they don't have to ask other festivals? They, well, they, they don't, they didn't wait to be asked. They've just started doing it. Mm-hmm. So, this, this is a problem I see a lot when I look at, like, disability laws. Well, no one's complained about it, so we don't actually have to change it. We're allowing films by women... That's enough. That's all we have to do. So it's the bare minimum of work that you actually have to do to not look like an asshole. But this is Can. Can is also, you know, he may say they're impeccable and perfect, but they're also misogynist, as we've seen since time immemorial. Um, There's always been issues. This year they're giving Elaine Delon um, the Palme d'Or, an honorary Palme d'Or, and he's made comments about women needing to be slapped and how the far right in France is awesome. Um, and so we shouldn't be surprised by Can's response. Honestly, I wasn't surprised. Can is, is French. I mean, we've seen many, we've talked about so many women from Europe who have laughed at the me too movement, who have said controversial statements. So, I mean, y'all really thought that they were just going to come out this year with a 50% slate of women? Uh, they should. His comments are asinine, but it's can. Like, that's right. where I'm at. I'm just completely apathetic. Like, it's can. I expect them to be done. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's so frustrating that we just have to just go, well, that's just how can is, you know, because... This is the thing. So they had this big moment last year with the gender parity this year on the jury. Right. It is half and half. And still, it's just accepted of like, well, I mean, they're they're looking like they care about it. That's good enough. It's like, well, wait a second. No, you can't have all these symbolic gestures and not follow through on it. Well, I mean, I guess you can if you're France, but, um, but that's, it's so frustrating to me to see you know all this talk about things but then never actually following through on the one hand and then on the other or to just take that further to actually say well no one asked me to do 50 50 first of all that's false because we've all asked for it second of all how would that show a lack of respect it will show a lack of respect to the men who did the bare minimum. Uh, well, keep in mind, I mean, it's it's can so this is a, a festival that couldn't even abide by their own ban that they created. If anybody remembers, Lars von Trier was infamously banned from the festival because he made comments about Nazis having the right idea. And they let him back, I think, what, last year? Yeah. So... With the most... Uh, blatantly violent against women film ever. Exactly. So they can't even be respectful of rules that they made against garbage men. You know, they don't, they don't even care. Um, I mean, the, the whole concept is this lack of respect that he brings up. And I think it's what we've been talking about where 
the argument that that men make predominantly, which is why can't we just support good films? Why does it matter whether they're directed by women or men? You know, the the, the I don't see the gender. I just see the director. That's exactly how I think Fremo is is making these comments out to be that he doesn't see gender. It's just women haven't made enough good films, and that's a mentality that we've proven is out of touch. But Cannes is one of the most out-of-touch festivals, I think. It's why people tend to say it's just the snooty, pretentious uh, Met Gala of France, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, So it's not surprising, but I think that if people want change, they need to start maybe not supporting it. What have we been seeing? Respond with your money. Respond with your time. If celebrities want to do right, don't go to Cannes. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that, I think you're right. I think the lack of respect, I think what he's insinuating is that that's just giving women a spot. It's like, you know, it's like... It's a participation medal. Right. And and what's the, the problem that he doesn't understand is that that statement is the lack of respect because women do make great films. They just don't get an audience. They just don't get to be seen because of gatekeepers like him. Yeah, we've solved this argument, what, 20 years ago? I mean, like, we've, yeah. this is something that's, that's known, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the oldest excuse in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it's like, you can't entirely blame him because we also are, we have an academy that's only given one Best Director Prize to a woman yeah. ever. And uh, so this is an industry-wide problem, but... The thing is that we talk about how the Academy, ultimately, they can only nominate what comes out. They can only reward what gets nominated, and it has to start somewhere. And one of the places it starts is at these festivals that actually put films out for the world to see. And a festival like Cannes, that the entire world is looking to, they have the opportunity to lead the way on making these changes, on making improvements in the way that women and people of color are accepted and embraced in this industry, and they refuse to do it. They throw, you know, they toss a cookie here and there, like, oh, here you go. We have our first ever black woman directed film at Cannes this year. Why is it 2019 and this is the first one? And why is there only one? Because, Karen, you can't just expect them to, like, look at all the films that they get. Yeah, true. Oh, my gosh. Can't just ask people why they're white, Karen. (laughs) And by the way, that's in competition films, because last year they did screen um, Rafiki, which is by a Kenyan director, but that was not screened in competition, so. Anyway. It is dumb, in short. It is. But also, I did actually want to talk a little bit more about Elaine Delon, too, because his statements about giving him the um, the honorary Palm d'Or, you already mentioned it, but I actually wanted to touch on that a little bit, because what he said was, um, he is entitled to express his views. Today is very difficult to honor somebody because you have a sort of political police that falls on you. No, what we're sick of is, again, another excuse. I'm, and I do this because I deal with classic film all the time. Just because they're old men or older now does not mean that they are absolved from making asinine statements or doing terrible things, Kirk. 
Mm-hmm. Just throw that out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Alain Delon, I have no background with him. I know I know many people love his classic films. Um, but you are representing your festival. And you represent that through the people that you invite and the people you give a platform and the people that you honor. And you know about it. What, what Fremo seems to be saying is, is I know his comments. I don't really care. They're not that they're not problematic. I don't have what he's saying is he does not have a problem. And that's really dangerous to pretty much equate your festival with making these same statements. I mean, your festival represents you and it represents the people that you include in it. So you're endorsing those views by inviting him. I don't care if you disagree with that, but that's how I see it. It's an endorsement. Yeah, no, I, I I see it the way that you do. I mean, I think that what he's getting into, obviously, is the, you know, the discussion of art versus artists and, you know, where do you draw the line and, and how do you, um, is it okay? Well, not is it okay, but, like, at what point do you cancel someone because of who they are and ignore what they've made? But the thing is that that's fine for us as consumers, to make that decision, to make that determination, but festivals and groups that, you know, honor people, they need to take a a harder look at what they're doing. And I don't think that it's really beneficial for them to make those calls of, well, we're separating the art from the artist. I think that it's more important for them to not do that because like you said, it's a, by honoring people that have done really terrible things and have said really terrible things, it's, it's an endorsement. It's an acceptance of that. It's well, yeah, we know that you've done this. We know that you're awful, but you make really good, good art. So you're still worth celebrating. And it's like, okay, let the people decide what they're going to see and what they're not going to see. Don't have this, this cloud, I guess, over, what you're doing like why bring why why would he want to bring this on himself in the first place because he even talks about how like oh yeah without the political police that falls on you okay well you could avoid that by just finding other people to celebrate that are not gonna have that cloud on you exactly yeah i mean and the whole separating the art from the artist thing just naturally bothers me because it only exclusively seems to apply to men um, but almost yeah. always white men. <laughs> yes. So I just, I have to roll my eyes. You know, I, I almost would give Fremo more credit if he just outright said like, I think Elaine Delon's a cool dude. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Like I just, oh, want, that guy. I just want people. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that Elaine. And yeah, I, I want, I want more people to just be honest. You know, and if you want to be a garbage person, just, just own it. Mm-hmm. Just own it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like essentially Fremo is saying like, eh, no big deal. Who cares? Yes. And he should just actually say that. Yeah, pretty much. That's where we're at in this Mm -hmm. society. Exactly. Um, Let's stop talking about this now. (laughs) Let's move on to something else that also makes me mad. Well, you know, I know we could probably talk about this down below, but we're talking about garbage people and art versus artists and all that. Let's just go on into a rainy day in New York. Let's just talk about it now and get it out of the way. Um, Kristen, you had some definite hilarious thoughts about it. I really well, are we it. also talking about the trailer at the same time? Yeah, let's just talk about okay. it all right now. So, okay. Um, 
a rainy day in New York in case uh, do you want me to give background um actually yes yeah, sorry um okay uh, so Rainy Day in New York, in case you didn't know, is Woody Allen's latest film. Now, it's not being released here in the U.S. because Woody Allen is persona non grata. Amazon actually said they are not going to release it. I don't remember. Did they say if they were just going to pay him to go away? Well, I don't think they've actually said that, but I'm pretty sure that probably That's the way the his contract works is that they would have to. So, but, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming they'll either pay him or just dump it on Amazon. It won't get a theatrical release here. And it'll be one that doesn't just pop up in your suggestions. Exactly. You oh, yeah, you're really going to have to search for that <laughs> one. Um, so regardless, though, it is being released in Italy and a few other European markets, I believe France as well. You know, the country that doesn't care that, you know, <laughs> Elaine Delon gets a Palme d'Or. Um, so, so it's not surprising. I knew this the day before I actually had to leave a Facebook group about film because a bunch of dudes were talking about how awesome it was and how the, the snowflakes weren't going to put Woody Allen down. Mind you, I was like, do any of you guys live in Europe? No, you don't. So, like, fuck off. Because um, you're not going to go fly to Europe to support your boy. Um, snowflakes. <laughs> it, yeah. So, regardless, it is getting released here in the U.S. Um, several of the cast members have distanced themselves from it uh, and donated money to apologize um, but the trailer came out for it this week, and I watched it with my mouth agape because Woody Allen himself released this. This is like a director releasing the trailer for a movie where he's just like, I'm going to edit it all myself, and I'm going to put it out. Like, this is the most pretentious, hacky way to say, like, screw you, Hollywood. I'm going to do this on my own Z's. Oh, and does it look like he did it on his own Z's? Because I thought this trailer was unfinished. I literally, it looks like it's being edited in the moment. It looks like it's all one take. Like all the actors had one take and they just, that's what we're using now. Um, the plot, as far as I could figure out, was that Elf Fanning is Scarlett Johansson in Scoop and she's dating Timothy Chalamet, my sweet little buttered biscuit who i don't understand his decision making um who looks like he just came off of the set of ladybird um and they're going to spend a day in new york because she's going to interview a director that's not woody allen but it is woody allen played by Liev schreiber mm -hmm. and then wacky stuff happens involving jude law and at the same time chalamet's character is involved in a movie where he has to make out with selena gomez Wait, Jude Law was there? I somehow Jude didn't Law's even notice him. Yeah, what? Jude Law's in that trailer. Um, and so I was watching it, and I was like, oh, God. Okay, when my, my problem necessarily isn't the fact that Woody Allen is, again, making that statement that, you know, young nubile ladies definitely want to bone 60-year-old directors that aren't named Woody Allen, but their names are like Woody Flowen, <laughs> okay? Um, but my problem is is, Okay, you want to divorce yourself from all of the rightful controversy that Woody Allen is a child rapist. Um, when are we going to give him shit about the fact that he's become a total hack who only remakes the same shitty movie that he himself made? Well, the problem with Woody Allen, well, no, <laughs> a problem with Woody a Allen is that for probably the last 30 years, he's been one good, two to three bad, one good, two to three bad. And so... Basically, we look, you know, up until a couple years ago when we finally just decided to wise up about him, um, we've looked 
forward to the, oh, maybe this is the one that's good. Nope, not this one. Okay, maybe it'll be the next one. So we're always waiting for the next one that's going to be good. We've just kind of accepted along the way that two to three out of four of his films are going to suck. Like but We haven't even, we're well beyond three, two or three being sucky. They're all sucky. Like, well, the immortal question is, which is the last Woody Allen movie you said you would say is good? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Exactly. That was a decade ago. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. It might, actually, no. Blue Jasmine came out after that one. Blue Jasmine oh, was did? good. Mm-hmm. Blue I think Jasmine so. was how long? Hold on. I'm looking 13? it up right now. Blue Jasmine was... There are people listening right now going, Duh, you idiots. It's 2013. Listen to Kristen. I think it's 2013. Yeah. yeah so that's the last good Six one. years ago. Mm-hmm. Six years but ago. But he also took a break. And, <laughs> and he has this movie he made that hasn't come out. So, yeah, I mean, now he's at a point where nothing good is coming. But it's, it's not that Woody Allen has become a hack. I think he's been a hack for 30 years. It's just that we kind of ignored it because we kept waiting because we know that there were still some good films in there and they would come out occasionally. And it's just that well has finally dried up, I think. Well, and watching this movie, I kept saying it's not just Scoop, which it is, but it's also all of the terrible Woody Allen movies, including the Evan Rachel Wood one that he did, and um, what's the other one? You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger. Like, it's all of the terrible ones. Cafe Society is another one that I saw a lot of commonalities with. He's just reiterating the same plot. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same plot. Well, that's the thing. How how can a director make original things when they've made like 50 60 movies like it i don't know how in one topic right but but even if that wasn't the case even if he was doing like different genres and different things like once you get to that many films and you're writing and directing all of them your creativity at a certain point is going to wane and and i think that's that's one of the problems like it's it's not even necessarily well the problem is is that now at this point i think that woody allen is just saying fuck it and watching this trailer more than more than scoop more than cafe society where his actors are getting younger and they're often paired against an older man here it just seems so scummy because are they Elf getting Fanning... old, younger or are you getting older what is your fascination with me getting older <laughs> oh. No, it's just no, but the, this I, is the thing. Like, I see that too, and it's like, man, stars are getting younger, and then I start to realize, wait, so and so was this age when they did that movie, and it's like I'm realizing well, I mean, that. If you, if you look at like Cafe Society, which had Kristen Stewart mm-hmm. and Steve Carell, I mean, Kristen Stewart looked like looks like an adult. Mm-hmm. And she was young too. Right, but she was she didn't look like a prepubescent teenage girl. But it's. I'm talking about their actual ages, though. That's the thing. Yeah, but I, my so my point is maybe I just need to throw it out there. My point is that Elle Fanning looks like a little girl. She looks like she's 15, and that's the problem that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think she was what 20, 19, 20 years old when she made this. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably so, 20. Yeah, so that's my problem is that she looks like a little girl, and that's what these the his all of his movies have always played on that May-December romance, but this seems to be going back to the Annie Hall days of when he was actually casting, like, as legal as he could get. Yeah. 
No, I'm not. I'm not trying to defend Woody Allen. I hope it doesn't sound like that, because damn, no. Um, but I'm just saying, like sometimes I've noticed for myself. Sometimes it seems like people are getting younger and younger, and it's really not that. Like they're casting people that are around the same ages, and I'm the one that got older, and I don't know when that happened, and I want it to stop. Anyway, Woody Allen sucks. What's interesting about a rainy day in New York is that it. Amazon isn't even listed anymore as a distributor for it on IMDb. It's got um, it's got distributors for Spain, Italy, France, and Germany. No U.S. distribution. No 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 distribution outside of those four European countries. So I don't know. I I think this is going to be one of those long court battles, and it'll probably be but be like a Terry Gilliam. Don Quixote thing where it'll be tied up in litigation for years. Eventually it'll get dumped somewhere and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. But you're right too. It does look really awful. It it looks like it it looks like when he has stopped trying to direct his actors and just kind of lets making... them just it, it's like they filmed the rehearsals. Yeah. I maintain that his movies are just whack-off material for him at this point, Probably. that he can get his attacks right off. But my sweet little macaron, uh, Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> needs to just just go off living your best life and ignore that you made this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, let's move on to other things. Speaking of streaming services, this week it was announced that Disney was taking full control of Hulu. And uh, Kristen, you know a lot more about this whole situation than I do, so why don't you explain to us why this is bad <laughs> for those people who may not understand why it's bad for Disney to take over yet another company. Um, it's called a monopoly, not the fun game that you play with your grandma that goes for 15 hours and then you finally just start to get pissed and you say, I'm done with this game. Um, no, we're talking like business monopoly. So, so as you might know, Disney ended up buying Fox, um, making them one of the biggest, you know, companies that owns filmmaking. Um, now it's just a couple small studios and what are the big what are the big three at this point? Warner's, Disney, Universal, Paramount, Universal, Paramount. I don't even think factors in anymore. Then, so yeah, those are the three. If you're thinking, hey, it sounds like it's 1933 all over again, you'd be correct. Um, and so, so Disney has slowly been buying out everybody's shares of Hulu over the last like year or so, and now they have the controlling interest. Um, I think they took the the last bit from Comcast, so now they have full oversight of Hulu starting right now. Why should that concern you? Well, there is a lot of, there are a lot of theories about what the intent is with Hulu right now. Um, I maintain that a part of the Hulu subscription will be that you get Disney Plus, and that Disney Plus will be on Hulu, so wouldn't it be easier for them to not have to build a streaming site from the ground up if they already own one? Um, that's, that's my weird, um, you know, flat earth idea. But, um, the other idea is that Disney plus, as we know, is only going to show family content, nothing above a PG. Is that what it is? No, I think it's it gotta is. be PG 13 because PG -13. they're showing Avengers and stuff on there. Oh, okay. So nothing above a PG 13, which means the theory is, is that the R rated content would go to Hulu. Um, regardless 
this is just another brick in the path of pretty soon you will not be getting these omnibus streaming services where they get a little bit from every studio. You will be paying paywalls for everything that you love. Do you love Criterion? Well, you can only watch Criterion stuff on their streaming. Do you like Disney? Well, you can only watch it on the Disney app. Do you like, you know, Warner Brothers stuff? Well, don't worry. They got So you will essentially be cherry-picking which ones you want. You will not be able to get everything under one umbrella a la Netflix. Netflix is already divesting themselves of studios and content, so pretty soon it's just going to be Netflix original shit, and we all know how that goes. So... There's that. It's the other concept of the monopoly that Disney is going to be able to put out pretty much 90% of their, you know, the content that's out there. I think they said um, now with the merger that Fox is only going to release six films a year. Um, So God forbid you don't love Disney and everything that they stand for, because they're going to be the only game in town for like half of the films that are coming out. Um, So I always, I get very mad about the the whole, you know, Disney um, Fox lovers that are like, yay, X-Men's going to be in Avengers and that's going to be great. Yeah, enjoy having nothing but Disney live action remakes every year, you know, 11 months out of the year because Disney's going to own everything. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too about this deal is, I mean, Hulu is the streamer for NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. Which Not for long. Means, right. Well, and that's the thing, but that means that f- until 2024, when this deal runs its course and ends up having to force one company or the other to make a big decision, that means that Disney has some interest in the Universal stuff, which how long does how long is that until NBC tries to make a play to buy Universal? Could that even happen? I don't know. At this point, anything seems possible. NBC does own Universal. No, sorry, Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah, Disney owned to buy out Universal. And And see, that's where I think the lines would have to be defined, because at that point, that I mean, they already have a monopoly. We only acknowledge monopoly when it affects us, but... I would think that they wouldn't be able to go for a what that's why I said the big three at this point. But I would hope not, but I mean I at this point not. who knows? Who knows? I mean, there are so many so many arguments that could be made. Oh well Lionsgate's separate and we still have A twenty four and you know, I mean I could see people trying to make that no, it's not really a monopoly because there's all these other small properties, but eventually if this if this other thing starts to happen where, um, like, Netflix is buying a theater, and it's just one specific theater, it's not a chain, but they're buying one theater in, in Hollywood. If that happens, and then other theaters start to get bought out by some of these studios, and the Paramount decision basically gets reversed, um, it could be very feasible that Disney ends up being the only way that you can see anything. I mean... Someone has to stop this. And I love Disneyland. I love Disneyland. I love Disney movies, but it's getting out of hand. And it's like, honestly, say what you will about Walt Disney and his personal views about a lot of things, but I have a hard time believing that he would have been like, yeah, let's take over the entire world. Um, he might have. I don't think so. I don't think. I guess we'll never know because he's dead. We'll have to wait until they wake up his cryogenically frozen head and ask him. Okay. Um, speaking of other things that are terrible, 
Robert Pattinson is apparently going to play Batman. It's not totally finalized, Warn- uh, as far as I know, because then Warner like hadn't commented. But then someone else said, no, they have confirmed it. So I don't even know where we're at with that. But I think we just have to accept the fact that at the moment, Robert Pattinson is going to be the next Batman in the Matt Reeves version. The Batman. See, it's different because it's the that preposition really, really fixes things. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how the Suicide Squad sequel is called The Suicide Squad. See? Prepositions. Mm-hmm. Prepositions fix everything. Yeah. So, Robert Pattinson. And um, we need to talk about a few things. I mean, first of all, I'm unhappy with this casting because I think that it's uninspired. It's not because I don't think Robert Pattinson can do it. I think he's a good actor. I thought he was a good actor for a lot of years, but I just think that there are so many, we've had so many versions of Batman and Bruce Wayne that I think it's time to do something very different. And yes, I've been on record for a year saying I wanted it to be Henry Golding. I've been saying I wanted Henry Golding to play the next Batman since before anybody knew who Henry Golding was. I mean, whatever. But I just, my reason for that is is because I want to see them do something new and different with this character. If you're going to have another reiteration of Batman, give us some reason why you're doing this. Make it something that we haven't seen before instead of just some pasty white dude. And that's that's kind of where I sit with this. Now, other people have, and Lauren actually had a really great, thread on this the other day because a bunch of people are saying like oh it's the twilight dude so you've got people that are just complaining because they've only seen him in twilight and think that that just means that he's he's automatically just bad and then you have other people even going further and this is what lauren's thread was on um was people who are saying like forget about twilight he was good in all these other movies as if they suddenly saw him in these little independent films like good time and um i blinking on other things right now and now they get to decide that he has earned the right to be called a good actor even though all these teenage girls for years were swooning over him and saying he was great so there's so much going on with this robert pattinson thing that i just want to like just forget batman's even happening again but anyway Kristen, what are your thoughts army hammer was right there I mean, honestly, this does nothing for me. Um, I see Batman movies, but I can't tell you the last one that I liked. I can't tell you the last one I liked. Batman Forever. (laughs) That was the last one I think I liked. Um, Yeah, yeah. Val Kilmer was a good Bruce Wayne. I don't care. Um, No, I I take that back. I do like um, uh, The Dark Knight. That one's good. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, I think that if anybody remembers... When um, people were complaining about Disney and how their women all look the same, the animated ones, and then they put all the faces together and it's literally the same face. <laughs> I feel like you could do that with all the Batmans, that it's all the same dude. Um, and I know they say it's it's right now it's Nicholas Holt and Robert Pattinson. That's literally the same person, right? I mean, they're both like dour Englishmen. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and I get it. You really want a Christian Bale. Christian Bale, though, is like a totally different type of actor than what you guys are looking for right now. It looks like you're looking for somebody that looks vaguely non-threatening that I I get it. You want to have the success story. You want to get one of these guys jacked and prove that they can do something. But it's just 
boring. Maybe because I haven't seen Nicholas Holt be interesting in anything. And Robert Pattinson, I know he challenges himself with unique projects. I have not seen Good Time. I don't really have an interest in seeing it. Um, but he, he hasn't really done anything for me um, to, to say he's a good or a bad actor. I liked him in Damsel. I will say that. I didn't even see that. Um, it he was, makes movies that I have no interest in. Seeing. Yeah, it was a movie that was very weird. Um, I don't know that I really liked the film, but I really liked... Oh, well, you wouldn't have seen it because it's got Mia Wasikowska in it. Um, yeah. You yeah, avoid her. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like that. honestly, that was the first movie where I really saw a completely different facet of personality from him. And I was just like, whoa, wait, who's this guy? But, um, but yeah, I found Lauren's thread and I think it's worth, uh, worth reading as she wrote it because she, she actually, I think really nailed one big part of this argument. Uh, and this isn't about whether Pattinson should be Batman or not. It's just the response and how people have, have, um, have talked about, like this discovery that, that he's a good actor. Um, so all I know is that if this does not have sexy Jeremy Irons as Alfred again, um, yeah, I probably won't even. I won't. Then I won't probably <laughs> even. See. The only reason I watched the last two was because he was in them. I had very little interest in the movies, and boy, do they suck. Do not at me. <laughs> yeah, no, um, definitely. But anyway, so Lauren, which is on Twitter at LH Business, uh, she retweeted an article from IndieWire that it basically is the title or the, the tweet quoting the article said, anyone upset that Batman might be played by the Twilight guy must not have been paying much attention to cinema over the last decade. This is from, um, uh, who's the, Zach Sharp, I think is his name. Uh, anyway, so that's the guy who wrote the article. So Lauren quotes that, and then she says, man quotes other men discussing how man they thought wasn't cool when he was a heartthrob is now actually cool because they say he is. So basically this IndieWire article is a bunch of male critics all talking about this awakening of Robert Pattinson that they've had. Well, and and can we can we stop with the false equivalency about how people didn't like Heath Ledger and oh look what oh, that yeah. did. Well, we'll get to that in a second, but um, but yeah. So then she goes on and says, truly, what would we ever do without men telling us what other men we should accept? What would we do? Also, dude manages to quote another dude who is currently the reigning worst film Twitter dude and has been accused of sexual harassment, but not a single woman. Never shall we know what is good cinema until the men have informed us. How blessed we are. Thank you, Lauren. You're absolutely right. But yeah, Kristen, you bring up another another point that needs to stop, and that is all the people saying, oh, but Heath Ledger. Because, you know, when Heath Ledger was originally cast as the Joker... Myself included, a lot of us were like, what? That guy? He can't play the Joker. That's ridiculous. That's terrible casting. This is not the same thing. <laughs> this is not the same thing at all. Because when Dark Knight was coming out, when they were when they made that announcement, the Jokers we had seen up to that point were Jack Nicholson and, um, oh my gosh, I just blinked on his name that played him in the TV show. Um, Cesar Romero. Thank you. Cesar Romero. I don't know how I forgot his name. Anyway, those were the two Jokers we had seen, and they were both so great for such different reasons, and we had never seen anything in Heath Ledger's career that indicated that he could do something on that level. It 
it was an entirely different thing. And then, yeah, he did come out and prove us wrong. But the thing is that with this casting of Robert Pattinson, most people, the discourse is not that he can't do the role for most people. Some people are saying that, but most people aren't saying that. That's not the argument that we're making. We're saying it's just a boring choice. That's all. And it's completely different. You're absolutely right, Kristen. This is a false equivalency. Would you like to add to that? Well, Heath Ledger was also nominated for an Oscar by that point. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, um, you're talking about comparing somebody who, yes, has been critically acclaimed in some projects, but Heath Ledger had been doing unique work and had been getting awards recognition on top of it. He wasn't still the 10 things I hate about you guys. So that's just, it's just poor history. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and fun fact, it's happening now on Twitter, but Can is actually stopping Variety's editor-in-chief for not wearing flats. Or for wear, not wearing heels. What? Yep. Breaking news. Uh, tell well, me it more. Was, it was breaking news as of 19 hours ago. But there is video uh, on uh, Claudia Eller, who is the uh, Variety um, co-editor-in-chief. She was prohibited from stepping on the red carpet and told by security she couldn't go to the premiere because she was wearing flats. This is a festival that is at the cutting edge, people, but they want women to wear heels, and they don't believe that they should be 50% of their actors. They're, they're directing slate. I didn't realize all the men were wearing heels, too. That's so interesting. I haven't seen pictures of their footwear. I can pretty much <laughs> guarantee that they don't give a fuck what men wear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, can. Can, can, can. So, let's see. Let's move on. We did get, so we already talked about a rainy day in New York, and let's never speak of that again. But we got another um, trailer this week, and uh, I'm going to let Kristen talk about the trailer for The Farewell, because I've already seen the movie. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought it looked entertaining. Well, okay. Let me back up for a second. The Farewell is Lulu... I'm going to say, yeah, you've seen it. Give me I the have. plot. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so Lulu Wang directed this film. It's basically in China. It's very common for um, people not to tell their family members. And it's also totally legal for people not to tell their family members when they get a terminal diagnosis. And the reason for that is, you know, why should they spend their final months being sad or scared of death or whatever? Just let them live out their time you know, enjoying, enjoying the rest of their days. And so this film is, it follows Aquafina, who is so good. Um, so she plays this young woman who, when she was six years old, her parents brought her to the United States. So she's grown up basically in New York, but she's still connected to her family in China. And it turns out that grandma has gotten this terminal cancer diagnosis and she's only got about six months. And so in order to get the family together so everyone can say goodbye to her without her knowing, the cousin agrees to get married to his girlfriend that he's basically just been going out with for like two months. And so the whole family is getting back together in China. And so it's about a week or so as they're getting ready for the wedding plans and stuff. And it's the whole family um, reuniting and it's it's Aquafina's character trying to come to terms with this and and she's you know she's very westernized she's grown up in the United States she has a very different way of looking at things than a lot of the rest of her family does and so that's in a nutshell that's what it's about 
so yeah, my my points still hold true. It looks great. Um, <laughs> I, I I know you had told me how good it was, so I'm excited for it. Uh, Lulu Wong uh, did a movie that I keep telling everybody to watch called Posthumous that she made um, several years ago that finally I think came out to DVD and Blu-ray a couple years ago, um, and it's fantastic. I loved it, so I expect to love this one as much. Yay. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. It actually got... Um... I don't know if I should tell the backstory now or wait until the movie comes out and we review it, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to tell you now. Um, <laughs> so basically, Lulu Wong, this is a story that actually happened in her family, except for in her family, it wasn't her grandmother, it was her great aunt. And um, she wrote the script and was shopping it around, and there were studios that were interested. But they kept telling her, like, the notes that she kept getting back were, we just want this to be funnier. They wanted it to be more of a hardcore comedy movie. And... Like Crazy Rich Asians? uh, Probably something more like that, yes. And she just kept saying, no, that's not the story. This is my family. That's not the story that I want to tell. And so she passed on all of it. And then she ended up, a couple years ago, she got invited on This American Life. And... When you go on This American Life, you have to do a lot of research. Your research has to be really impeccable. And so she actually looked even more into the traditions and more into her own family's history and all kinds of stuff to really flesh out the story even more and kind of rewrote the script. And when she was on the show, there were a couple of producers that happened to be listening and they heard her tell her story. And they heard her talk about how she really wanted to make the movie, but hadn't been able to get any traction on it. And they contacted her and said, we're going to we're going to finance this. We want you to make the movie that you want to make. And that's the farewell. It'll be in theaters in really just a few weeks. It'll be out in July. July 12. Yeah. So I'm excited for people to see it. I'm really excited for everyone to see Aquafina, and I'm so glad that she's branching out and doing something new and different already. I mean, she's done a couple of comedies, but now she's doing something that's a little bit more serious, and it's great. And dropping the black scent. Yes. So, we've seen a bunch of stuff in the last week or so. A bunch of stuff. Um, where do we want to start, Kristen? Um, well, there are two movies that I've not seen, so... Okay. Oh. Which two? I did not see John Wick 3 and whatever this bull movie is. I don't even... That must have been Lawrence because I don't even know what that is. So we won't talk about okay. that. Um, and I don't think we can really talk about Aladdin yet. Yeah, we can. Mm, but this is going to go up for Patreons on Monday and the review and embargo's the, and not the, up till Wednesday. Right, but the reps aren't going to have access to Patreon. We don't have to promote it. And it'll go up Wednesday after the embargo lifts. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's talk first. John Wick 3. I saw that. It's out this weekend. Um, I, so I'm a fan of the John Wick franchise. Okay, let me back up. I'm a fan of Keanu Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) I have been for a very long time, and every time a new Keanu Reeves movie comes out and people remember that they love him, it always makes me happy when they start sharing all the Keanu Reeves stories, because I'm like, yeah, I've known this since 1990 people um he's great and i love him but anyway so i really enjoy the john wick franchise because they're just it's weird because i'm not necessarily a fan of violence for the sake of violence and that's kind of what these are but i just dig them they're just i don't know they they just 
fix something in my brain, I guess. I mean, the first movie, and and ultimately, I mean, John Wick 3 even delves into this, but the first movie is all because, it's payback because his wife died, tragically, and then she had bought him a puppy before she died, and some assholes break into his house and steal his car and kill his puppy. And so he goes on this revenge massacre because of his puppy. And like, yeah, I'm here for that. For sure. And by the time the third movie happens, he has uh, he has fought a lot of people from the Russian mob, and um, now it's this new threat. It's the, the high table, which basically controls all of the crime syndicates around the world. And I I thought a lot of the fighting in this, the first two thirds of the movie were was really good and really fun and interesting, but the last third I, I started to get bored. It was like just too much fighting and it wasn't even the blood, it was just so much like of the same the same types of attacks and things over and over again. And I I still thought that this was a fun, enjoyable movie. I would definitely go watch it again right now. But I ultimately I got a little bit bored by the end, and I felt like it was just... They needed to shave off probably a good 20 minutes of it. But, I mean, Keanu is still just so fun to watch, even when he's, like, not saying anything. He doesn't have to say any words for for him to just be interesting. But there's just a lot of story here that doesn't really go anywhere. There's characters that pop in and out, and they're, like, gone as soon as they arrive and you're kind of just going like well what was the point of any of that and it really ultimately by the time it ends it feels like the entire movie has been a setup for John Wick chapter 4 and which is good and bad I think but I mean the hype is true about Halle Berry she's a badass I can't wait for them to announce her spinoff movie because I really think that's going to happen maybe that'll be a mini series or something that they add but um but yeah I I I liked it. It's good stuff. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, you saw... Did you see The Sun is Also a Star? Because I have not I gotten did. around to that I, one I saw that about two weeks ago. Oh. Um, yeah, I had to ha- hold on to that review for a while. <laughs> uh, but I, I saw this. It's the new movie by Rai Russo Young, who did Before I Fall, and she is a delight. Uh, I was fortunate to get to speak to her. Um, it stars Yara Shahidi from Blackish. And Charles Melton, who I was told is on Riverdale. Um, and they are a uh, young couple. They meet um, one day in New York City. She is trying to keep her family from being deported. He is on the way to an uh, interview to possibly get an internship to become a doctor. And through this, he believes, faded relationship, they spend the whole day um falling in love with each other only to realize that they have a lot of stuff that is going to threaten to tear them apart um i really like before i fall um it's got an interesting groundhog day premise with like a social commentary on it it's an it's a different type of teen movie and so i figured rai russo young would have something similar to this um she she kind of laughed about the fact that you know people just kind of said well she worked with time in a weird way before so we'll just give her this movie um because it all takes place in the span of a day so if you like the before trilogy um or stuff like classic stuff like love with a proper stranger it's 
it's really, really good. My mom hated it. She said it was incredibly slow. Um, and I've heard that from a lot of people that it, it is a really, really winding movie. I mean, it's very old fashioned, you know, the concept of a guy who believes that their relationship is destiny and that he will convince her to fall in love with him because they're just they're meant to be together. It's a very old fashioned type of relationship that you would probably have seen more in the 80s. You know what this movie's like? It's like Dirty Dancing, if they didn't dance. Hmm. But, like, the concept of, you know, these two people coming together that would not ordinarily have come together, and um, with, a very unre- with a very realistic ending that might not actually be a fairy tale, I thought was really inventive. Uh, Yara Shahidi's great. Charles Melton is the new hot thing. Put, put his name down for everything, because that man is... He's legal. I looked. Um... <laughs> Is not only is he gorgeous, but I believe that him and Henry Golding could play brothers in a movie where they just like do stuff and be hot together because they they would be fantastic. Make that movie Hollywood. Um, but again, he comes from that old Hollywood type of leading man where it's just like every line he says sounds utterly charming, and you're just like, oh, you. I don't even know what my name is anymore. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this. I, it's it's not making a lot of money right now, and it's very upsetting to me because I feel like the few YA adaptations that do have something to say just go completely unrecognized, and I feel this is going to be one of them. So if you are a fan of, you know, slow burn type of old-fashioned uh, romances, uh, this one's good. This is worth seeing. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like I didn't see anything this week, but it's just because I've been watching a lot of TV to um, gear up for, because it's Emmy time, so there's a lot of TV stuff I've caught up on, but not so much. I don't know what TV is. (laughs) Not so much in movies. Um, But you also saw Ask for Jane. Yeah, so my full review is up on the website right now, uh, citizendamebod.com, as well as my interview with Judith Arcana, who is one of the loose subjects um, that's depicted in the movie. So if you want to get my full thoughts, head over there. But this is a movie that could not be coming out at a better time. It's about the Jane Collective, which was a group of women in the 60s and 70s in Chicago who formed a network to help women um, procure safe abortions during a time when it was not legal. Um, And it's a fascinating movie. I mean, the limitations that Rachel Carey, who's the director, has by making this low-budget movie are evident. Um, You know, the the locations are pretty small, um, mostly interiors. The cast is um, a lot of character actors. I think the biggest name is Cody Horn, who was in Magic Mike. Um, But they're all really good. It's, It's a really important film that I think people, the fact that I didn't know that that this existed upsets me. Um, And if you are very upset by the um, political culture that is going on right now regarding reproductive rights, um, support this movie and try to find a way to see it because this is history that is possibly coming back to bite us in the ass. Hmm. Well, thank you. Um, And then this weekend we got to see Aladdin. Yeah, <laughs> which is the remake of the the 92 film. And Kristen and I did do a car critique and we had a special yes. guest. Which, so. which will be up um, by the time this goes up, it'll be up. So if you uh, didn't want to listen to our whole 20 minute conversation, um, complete with navigation, uh, <laughs> then then, yeah. Yeah, so um, so you can subscribe to Patreon and hear our car critique, but very quickly in a nutshell. I liked it. I didn't think it was great, but 
I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, and considering that I thought it was going to be really terrible, that's, you know, that's faint praise, I guess. But I think I borrowed your line from my mini-review on Twitter where I said, it's not terrible, but that's the bar we're at with these remakes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I definitely, I really liked the, I liked it was bright and colorful, everything is big. I think some of it could have been a lot bigger, um, actually, which is weird to say, but... Um, I really liked Naomi Scott and Mina Masood. I thought they were so much fun. Um, I cannot, will not unsee uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Sultan. Um, <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll understand, and then you won't be able to unsee it either. Karen um, ruined the movie for me, like halfway through. She's like, does that guy look like Joaquin Phoenix? And then when she said that every time they showed him, I was like, oh my god. And then someone on Jesus. Twitter said the same thing, and I was like, oh my gosh, see, it wasn't just me. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um, those are my basic thoughts. What do you What do you think? Um, having slept on it so far, um, I think it's it's perfectly... I think my, my thoughts have risen a little bit. It's perfectly fine. Um, it's considering what we all assumed from a Guy Ritchie-directed film like this, it's, it's far better than it has any right to be. I maintain a director of musicals. You said Baz Luhrmann. Um, I said, um, who did I say? Rob Marshall, I think, would have had a far better eye for this type of movie than Guy Ritchie. But Guy Ritchie does well with what he has to work with. This is a movie that I feel has been focused group to death. Yeah. You know, that, that they just gave him a list of things and said, this is what you're going to include. We don't care about anything else, but you will include all of these. So Mina Masood's good. Naomi Scott's really good, although she has so many, like, theater high schooler girl tropes in this movie. Um, my big pet peeve with musicals is if you have a lot of handwork when you're singing. Um, that's, that's like high school theater right there. Um but we all know why I went. I could have given a shit about Abu and the genie or whatever. I went for Sexy Jafar, and we needed to give him far more to do because he was great. Um, but yeah, so it, it was fine. Will Smith's not the worst part of the movie, which is saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I really enjoyed the production and costume design. Production yeah. design was by Gemma Jackson, who has done a lot of things. Um currently well i guess not currently she hasn't done it in a couple years but she worked on game of thrones <laughs> she worked on king arthur <laughs> uh she was wait the guy richie king arthur yeah oh so she's responsible for that sweet velvet jude law coat which is the only good part of that movie. no she's the production designer oh that's right yeah. okay so whoever is the costume designer i tip my hat to them <laughs> but i also um the costume designer on Aladdin was Michael Wilkinson, and I also, I think he did a lovely job, too. I think the costumes in that, especially Jasmine's outfits, were just gorgeous. But I also really, I didn't even talk about this in our car critique, but I really liked Aladdin's outfit when he first uh, goes into the city as Prince Ali. I, <laughs> I really liked that outfit. I thought it looked good. Um, so, yeah, Michael Wilkinson... He also did American Hustle. Um, he did jo Justice League. <laughs> so, Noah. So, he's done some very different things, too. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, that's Aladdin. That'll be in theaters on Thursday night, Friday. The 24th. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can go see it. 
Before we close out, we should mention that we were unintentionally running a contest because Lauren had tweeted that uh, she wanted everybody to talk about their favorite movies about female rage, which blew up on Twitter. And I figured this would be a great time to get rid of the the two movies that we've been trying to get rid of for to the last gift month. someone with these lovely films. Yes. Uh, now I'm just at the point. I, it was gifting somebody these two lovely films. And now I'm just like, I just want to be able to give them to somebody. Um, so, Karen, give me a number between 1 and 80. 77. Oh, great. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm just going to pick a random tweet. Hopefully this person is based in the U.S. because, unfortunately, international shipping prohibits me from sending anything internationally. So, so I'm g- and I'm going to go off of what I assume is a reply to the initial tweet, not which a reply to a person who replied. So 79, 78, 77, which would be Orville's wedding at the underscore year underscore is underscore one. Their answer was slow burn with occasional eruptions, the upside of anger. So if they are listening, I will also send them a tweet. But they win a copy of On the Basis of Sex, uh, as well as a copy of Miss Bala. Woo-hoo. So, yay! Congratulations. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. And that's going to finish things up for us this week. And um, But if you want to keep the conversation going, you can find us and talk to us on twitter we are at citizen dame pod uh we also have instagram that's also at citizen dame pod imagine that we have a theme going you can email us citizen dame pod at gmail.com our website is citizen dame pod.com we're super creative um sometimes we drop the pod so if you want to find us on facebook that's facebook.com slash citizen dame our patreon is patreon.com slash citizen dame where you can get uh, our card critiques for a bunch of different movies. We also have some special bonus episodes that are there uh, and some more that are coming. You can find out our ultimate villains we'd like to fuck. Um, uh, Man from Uncle is happening. Man from, from Uncle is coming. We are still, uh, we recorded a Suicide Squad commentary a while ago. We're still going to release that. It's just the, yeah, that's coming. Um, and that'll be probably the last time you could hear Kim as a regular participant because she did that that episode. Um, let's we see. also have our merch that we're I giving out on the Patreon. Well, well I was going to say pins and all of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yep, but if you also want to buy some merch, we do have a Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame. And if you just want to throw us a couple of bucks and don't want to commit... That's okay too. We like we like money any way we can get it, and that is our Ko-Fi account, Ko hyphen Fi Ko K O hyphen F I dot com slash Citizen Dame. Um, and we also are now on SoundCloud. If you want to listen to the episodes via SoundCloud, um, I don't have our our link offhand, but if you search SoundCloud dot com uh, slash Citizen Dame, you'll find it. And we are working on a newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that'll Which be, will be available soon. to everybody. Yes. You don't have to be a patron for that. So Exactly. Uh, but if you want to reach out to us individually, you can do that. Kristen, where are you? At journeys underscore film. And Lauren is at LH Business. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. All right. That's going to do it for this week. And we will talk to you all soon. Bye. All right. What is your secret for always staying down to earth? Well, I mean, gravity. (laughs) Hello, let's see. If you could time travel to any period in time, 
When would it be and why? Oh, we got, we got puppy pee. Oh, let's play in the puppy pee. No, we're not gonna play in the puppy pee. I always wanted to know since I was growing up who really wrote the plays of Shakespeare. So I wanna, I wanna be there at that moment when Shakespeare, because I don't think it was William Shakespeare. I'm in Edward de Viria, so the Earl of Oxford. So I'd like to be there, 1600s, Shakespeare writing Hamlet.